puzzled and puzzled till his puzzle was sore. Then the Grinch thought of something he hadn't before. Maybe Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas, perhaps, means a little bit more. It's Manson Mitchell on the weekend with Gary Manson, Suzanne Mitchell. A double shot of good conversation with great guests to power up your day. Manson Mitchell, you're on the air. Thank you, Eric Kramer. Hi, everybody. I'm Gary Manson. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. Happy weekend to you. The holidays are creeping in on little cat feet. Can't wait. Holiday season, holiday spirit. And we have a guest today who's going to bring that out in Technicolor. And you don't need 3D glasses. Excellent. <laughs> Before we get to our guest, however, let's say hello to Nathan Miller. Tall guy, Nathan, how are you doing, senor? Also go ahead known as... Nathan, yeah, here we go. Nathan, Nathan, we had to throw that little one in there today, and I obviously can't wait for Christmas either or the holiday season because I just took a little trip out to Kentucky to celebrate an early one with my brother and his family. Nice. Kentucky Christmas. Tell us about that. Kentucky Christmas. Oh, boy. Uh, not really much unusual. Apparently, the trees uh, out there have been going through a drought. So if you're looking for a Christmas tree in Kentucky, they tend to they seem to be shedding their needles a lot faster or not wow. being as healthy. Yeah. But still, uh, spirit is nice and alive. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. We're, we're in the state where it rains all the time, kind of like Washington. And yet, we've had such a severe drought this year. We're like two feet below what we're supposed to normally have in rain. Oh, my. 20, 24 inches down. And then, of all days, today it's raining. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> so. that's crazy for Florida because, you know, you're always yeah. known for those afternoon spontaneous showers. And then it goes back to sunny. But in 2023, we did not have our spontaneous afternoon showers. You could almost set your clock by them for decades. And this year, very unusual year, we did not have our afternoon rain. So everything here has been dried out for a long time. Topsy-turvy, but I think yeah. that has a lot to do with El Nino. Mm. The Pacific Northwest will experience El Nino maybe in a diametrically opposite way to what we will experience here in the Southeast. Mm -hmm. It's going to be... Colder and wetter here, typically, well, it's usually not cold not very often or for very long in Florida, but long story short, we're expecting a wetter than usual winter. Typically, our wet season is summer. Right, right. It should be a bit warmer where you are, Nathan. That's coming up. Look forward to that. Yeah, we. I mean, we still get the freezing overnight, uh, the morning frost, and you got to scrape the ice off of your windshield in the morning, but no snow yet or any really threatening chances for the lowland areas, at least. I mean, of course, the mountains are starting to get their dumpings of snow. Just had an atmospheric river, but enough of the weather. Let's get on to our guest here. Let's get that the on with the show. <laughs> on with the guest. It is our great pleasure to welcome back, I believe, for the second time. Yes. And uh, shame on us for not having this lady on more often. We must make amends. So today we're going to welcome Tamara Vaughn. She is an extraordinary lady in every sense and in a multifaceted way. Suzanne, will you do the honors? I'd be happy to. Tamara Vaughn is an attorney, intuitive consultant, medium, inspirational speaker, and author of the book, The Power Shift Principle, 
empowering yourself through life's challenges. Practicing law for 32 years, she knows that one of life's greatest challenges is dealing with the death of a loved one. As a medium, she is the voice for those on the other side, serving to facilitate the sharing of love, wisdom, and healing. Tamara is also called upon to work with individuals and groups to facilitate positive change in personal lives through helping people discover their own talents and gifts. Her website is TamaraVaughn.com, which we will be sure to give out at the bottom of the hour. But in the meantime, we welcome her to Manson Mitchell. Glad to have you here today, Tamara. Thank you so much, Suzanne. And hello to you and hello to Gary and hello to all your listeners. And I want to thank you for having me back on during this beautiful, magical and miraculous season of rebirth and renewal. You know, it's been so long since you've been on. I know that we want to get a little bit of your background. And also we're talking very, very specifically about the spirit of Christmas. But I have to ask you, because we've been asking this question all month long, favorite songs or favorite movies at Christmas time? What means Christmas to you when you hear a particular song or you see a particular movie, then it's like the season is here. Okay, so I'm really going to date myself. Um, it would have to be Bing Crosby and White Christmas. White Christmas. Yeah, very good. I think that's two in a row. Our Friday yeah, guest. our Friday guest said White Christmas, although he was talking more about the song. But um, yeah. The song and the movie for me are very nostalgic for this season. And of course, you know, your intro with the Grinch, who couldn't, who couldn't relate to a little bit uh, about the Grinch who stole Christmas? Yes, yes. And and strangely enough, when there was nothing on last night, because I went all the way through about 200 channels, I I ended up stopping on It's a Wonderful Life. And, and I thought, you know, I can do other things because I've seen It's a Wonderful Life so often, but I still like the movie. And, uh, and so that was on in the background last night. Yeah, but it's movies like that, Suzanne, that really, truly inspire us this time of year the story never gets old that's true we're talking about the eternal verities aren't we yes we are yeah and of course i like to mix in comedies so and last year was the first time in i i think since it came out that suzanne and i did not see it but a christmas story is one of our favorite it's my all-time favorite and I just love that movie. And our circumstances were such last Christmas that we didn't get to well, see Well, we it. weren't home. Right. Yeah. Had we been home, we definitely would have watched it at least once. I like that marathon they do for 24 hours. Yes. Yeah. yeah. We'll catch that again this year because we just laugh all the way through it. We love Darren McGavin and, and the way he moves around and uh, and does his body in that movie. Just crazy. Crazy oh, I stuff. thought he was fantastic. Yeah. I, I just, uh, it's a treasure. Yeah. So, and the leg lamp, of course. There's a park in Oklahoma where they actually have a giant version of that. And it's it's stuck out there with other Christmas trimmings every year. And people flock to go see this. And that ugly lamp is a centerpiece. <laughs> in oh Oklahoma. Gosh, I, I was totally unaware of that. <laughs> yeah, and the house is or was available for touring Yes. In in Cleveland, Ohio. Yes. Yeah. There's so um 
people are into it. You know, it just it's one of those movies that just grabs you. Yeah, we were uh, in, in a show we did a couple weeks ago. We were talking about Christmas movies, and I could easily, easily think of a dozen movies. And in looking it up online on the internet, there were 132 Christmas movies listed. And and so, you know, they were in categories. And I like the ones, the early ones too, the ones from the, you know, 40s and 50s, uh, fun movies, White Christmas, Christmas in Connecticut, you know, mm-hmm. some of those old timey movies. And Not then, that we are dating ourselves, Suzanne. We're well, we have a boomer audience, so they they're all nodding their heads <laughs> in agreement and they're going, Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then um, and then you know, some more of the recent ones. I, I can get into one or two more recent ones, but I, I also like the older movies. When it comes to traditions, mm-hmm. Tamara, I did want to ask you, reaching back into your childhood, your adolescence. What were the family Christmas traditions that were most special to you? I think that there were several. First of all, it was probably the family dinner. It was a matter of having several different generations in the kitchen cooking. Um, I always joke that I came from a long line of Southern cooks, and unfortunately, it ends with me. Um, I should have a little bit more attention in the kitchen when I was younger. Um, but, you know, the other thing to me that was so special is there were two Christmas ornaments, um, very old Christmas ornaments, and they both said Merry Christmas. They were both red ornaments with white glitter on them. And we would all decorate the tree, but those were the last two ornaments that would go on the tree. And my dad always placed them on the tree. And to this day, I still place them on the tree as the last two ornaments in honor of my mom and my dad. That's what I was that getting That is at. nice. Something That's a nice to, mark, ritual. to yeah. mark the occasion and yep. honor one's ancestors. Yeah. Yes. Yes, they're over 60 years old. So, and you know, I cringe each and every time thinking, I hope this year's the year, you know, I, I don't want them to break. Right. But same token, what would I lose in memories if I didn't take the chance and put them on the tree? Right. Yeah. And as far as 2023, do you decorate your horses? Of course I decorate my horses. My horses are decorated every day. I have a friend (laughs) of mine who calls my barn the Skittles barn because each horse has a different color blanket and sheet from hot pink to teal to green to purple. So when I, you know, I'm in more of a, a a northern area of Florida, so we get a little bit chillier. And um, so my horses have their own wardrobe. Yeah, but it's very special for me because Santa Claus mm-hmm. brought me my first horse in 1971. Oh, nice. Yeah. Was it a Christmas gift? Santa Claus brought him. Yes. Nice. Showed up nice. on Christmas morning and there was a horse in the backyard. Wow. Wow. That's that's, that's as good as like a, a car with a bow. Yeah. The, driveway. the Lexus <laughs> with the big bow on it, which I have yet to see even one. Maybe somebody has been the recipient and lucky you. Yes. But well, now, that's got to be the greatest Christmas present of all time. Now, was that the instigation of your interest, your love of horsemanship, horsewomanship? of uh, the equestrian lifestyle, or were you yearning for that? And it was a gift, a dream come true. How did that work out for you? 
this was all my mother's fault. Um, when I was three years old and she would go to the grocery store, there was a pony ride outside of the grocery store. So she would always go get groceries and then take me to the pony ride. And I would always ride this one white pony named Mickey. And I, I often say, you know, this little white pony was the guardian of children's souls because what he did for a child and, and, and protecting them and giving them joy and what he did for me just instilled my love and the beauty and the spirit of the soul of a horse. And um, so I started taking riding lessons when I was eight. And that's when Santa Claus brought me my first horse. Wow. And it has been a love affair that has never ended. Mm -hmm. I have um, four horses with me right now. And uh, they're all rescues, by the way. But I have um, done everything from jumping to dressage to trail riding. But there's nothing like being out in the barn, whether it's being with them and cleaning stalls, listening to them to chew, chewing on hay. Um, I'm still that three-year-old in love with them as I was from the first time I saw them. Well, Gary and I are still looking forward to coming and seeing you. There you are in what is known in Florida as the horse country. The Ocala area of Florida is is called, um, you know, horse country. Actually, it's trademarked, Suzanne. We we actually trademarked it against Lexington. We're known as the horse capital of the world. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't yes. know that. Well, I would think Lexington would be pretty upset about that. <laughs> I would think so, too. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm with the trademark. <laughs> and now I understood there, there may be all kinds of horses in Ocala, but I understood Ocala to be a place where there was the specialty of quarter horses raised there. No, actually, um, it's known for the thoroughbred racing. Really? Thoroughbreds? Wow. Okay. Yeah, we're known for the, thorough, the they're known for the thoroughbred racing. We have the Ocala Breeder Sales here. However, with the um, building of the World Equestrian Center, um, we're now getting international riders from disciplines such as show jumping and dressage um, competing here year round. Very nice. It's a it's a very pretty part of Florida, and it's one of the places that is hilly. I had a great aunt who lived there. And a family friend going back um, many decades who also bought a horse farm, and I never went out and saw him. So I don't even know if he's alive or if he's still there. But Gary and I have promised ourselves that we were going to come and see you in Ocala about about two and a half hours or so from Sarasota, and to uh, and and we'll go in and you know, acquaint ourselves with your with your four friends out in the barn. But you weren't always there. And you have an experience in your background that uh, Gary and I got a little bit of a taste of last year. Nothing like what Tamara experienced. But of. not quite to the extreme. We, we watched the winds in our backyard at uh, over 100 miles an hour, and we watched trees coming down. You went through something quite a bit more dramatic, and I thought maybe you could just talk about that for a couple of minutes. Well, you know, I, it, and it's, it's interesting that you bring the horses in because the horses have been a mainstay um, throughout my life and throughout 
the events of my life. Um, and I know what you're directing your, your attention to is Hurricane Andrew. Yes. And Hurricane Andrew came through on August 24th, 1992. Um, and for those of us who experienced it, it was kind of like there was life before Andrew and there was life after Andrew. And that's kind of how you judge where you are um, in your discussions with people. And for me, I had been practicing law. I was a new attorney, had just graduated. I'd been practicing law on the West Coast of Florida. And I had my horses over on the West Coast of Florida. I moved back over into the Homestead Redland area and could not find, actually it was on my birthday, it was, so it was on August 2nd, and I couldn't find anyone to bring my horses back to the Homestead Redland area. So I was very frustrated. But meanwhile, they were being boarded, they were being taken care of. And then on August 24th, 1992, I was very grateful that they were not there. Because Andrew came through and Andrew was not supposed to actually turn in and hit our area. But since when do hurricanes do what weather forecasters direct them to do? And during that time, I was in the area where the highest winds were going through. Um, studies later had shown that in the, in the area that I was in, in two square miles, there had been over 75 tornadoes touched down. You know, the winds, the winds were more than significant. They reached hot, much higher than 150 miles an hour. Um, literally for those of us who were there, had Andrew lasted 30 more minutes, many of us would not have made it. And for the next five months, I was without electricity and basically having just graduated from law school with a doctorate degree, I was homeless. And for the most part, sleeping out of my truck and trying to deal with rebuilding life after Andrew. And I was also very grateful because the one thing that kept me going throughout the rebuilding process was knowing that some beautiful higher power had kept my horses safe. My horses, the barn that they would have been in, it was no longer in existence. The barn was gone. All you could see was the pad and it was perfectly clean. So my horses would have been lost during Hurricane Andrew. So I was very blessed. And that is, uh, for me, for me, one of my instances that I always use to let people know that there is a loving, supportive universe out there that is willing to walk hand in hand with you, despite the adversities that you are experiencing during your life. Well, it's a, a touchstone for you that you survived and your horses survived. And it's also interesting because I think it kind of plays a role in the idea that in your uh, your left brain analytical world that you were dealing with the the contracts and the conflicts of the legal profession, but at the same time you were also really experiencing uh, your own spirituality, which was also blossoming and expanding during that time. And it is interesting to me when I see these horrific tragedies on TV and people are standing in front of the rubble 
and they say, we are so grateful. I mean, we're alive and our family's okay. And, and you just, you just want to shake your head after people have lost everything. They're very in touch with having their lives. Yes. That they're alive. And, and having the things that, finding the things that are truly important to them. And I, when I talk to people, I say, you know, the things that were important on August 23rd, the things that you were worried about, the things that you were stressed out about, you know, the, the crazy little things that irritate us from day to day on August 24th, they didn't matter. Suddenly when it comes down to facing life and death and, and what I've also said is that as difficult as, as it is, to lose physical property and to think about revisit, rebuilding physical property. Rebuilding can happen. It can occur. You can acquire physical objects again. But what happens during a process such as Andrew is the rebuilding of the inner soul and the inner spirit and the reawakening of of that connection that truly permeates those moments and says, this is who you are and this is what's important. And that becomes a realization. That realization, Tamara, happens in the midst of destruction that unless they've changed the language and I didn't know about it, insurance companies will refer to as an act of God. Correct. And I don't know that it's happened recently with the tornado in Tennessee, for example, where there were fatalities and massive destruction in localized areas. There have been people who, after such a disaster, have worshipped on a Sunday morning at the shell of a church that was blown down by, mm -hmm. be it a tornado or hurricane or whatever other natural disaster, and they're praying with thanksgiving to God, who, if you look at it cynically, looks like you're praying in a church that God just blew down and you're thankful about it. So that's where I have to push away the cynicism and try to enter that dimension of faith. But, you know, isn't it interesting, though, that insurance companies will call tornadoes and hurricanes and all these devastating events acts of God? See how much we blame God for? You know, the true act of God is the people who do step out, come together and take that moment of, of prayer and gratitude and communion with one another to acknowledge that we've all been through this together. We all survived and we will survive the aftermath together. That's a tr that to me is the true act of that higher loving spirit that we know is God. How, how did it come about that you became an ordained minister while you were still practicing law? It, it seems, when I look at it from the outside, it seems like a left foot and a right foot. You know, one one being very practical and the other one being very spiritual. How, how did you decide to, you know, do that? You know, it's interesting because when I have discussions with spirit, I have to remind them that they did choose an attorney to work with. So they got to give me a little leeway here. I, I believe that my work as an attorney has always been, has always been part of my ministry, so to speak. 
And I, I want to step back to a moment because for me, this all started on the path when I was dealing with anorexia because I was anorexic from the ages of 17 to 22. And I had left organized religion at that point in time. Not that I did not believe in God, but I had left organized religion. And here I was on this destructive path, this destructive path of control and perfectionism. And I found myself down at 85 pounds five years later, 85 pounds on a five foot seven and a half frame, um, taking diet pills, swallowing 60 laxatives, doing things that by, uh, by all rights, I should not be here today. And I would go to a therapist and being a perfectionist would tell them exactly what they wanted to hear, make them happy. And then I would go do whatever I wanted and lose a couple of more pounds, pop a couple of more diet pills, um, put my body through the strenuous exercise, which is almost like total punishment, discipline and control that was beyond any measure. And I really didn't care whether or not I would wake up in the morning. At that point in time, I didn't care if I, I didn't think I mattered to friends or family. They wouldn't miss me. And then one night I had a dream. And for me, this was the beginning. And in this dream, I was looking across this beautiful green field, gorgeous three board white fence. And I can still see it as vividly today as it was during the day that I dreamed. And there was this my horses were in the pasture, the beautiful oak trees, much like I'm living here in Ocala. And I went to be with these horses and there was a beautiful being over my shoulder. I could feel the energy in the presence and simply said, they're not yours anymore. And that was the moment that shifted my life. Because when I woke up, it suddenly hit me. Maybe I didn't think my family and friends would miss me. But what about my horses? Here's where the importance of that love of my horses that I had found when I was three years old came in. And I truly believe that God reached down deep inside with myself and said, I'm giving you a choice right now. You can choose to live or you can choose to die. And use the one thing that would help me make that decision. And that was using my horses. And from that moment on, I did everything that I could to get control of my mind, work it into a positive discipline rather than a negative discipline. And I was able to overcome anorexia. And that in and of itself, you talk about the ministry and how you turn around and, and, and have a, a left brain, right brain, um, type of life and kind of walking that tightrope between the two. That was where the integration of it actually began. Mm. That was a long time ago. I mean, so that's really been you your whole life. That's not a recent development. If that happened yeah. to you when you were in your 20s, then yes. that's the, in your adult life. You have always walked that that line between between the spirituality and, and practicality. 
And for me, working with that, with what I do as an attorney, because I'm a probate attorney, as you know, so I deal with death and dying every day and, and estate planning. And basically, I feel like the events that I've been through between caring for a disabled parent, between dealing with anorexia and understanding, understanding what I went through, dealing with Hurricane Andrew, that the people that are put in front of me as my clients are put in front of me for a purpose. They're guided to me because I can understand, I can empathize with what they're dealing with. I can not only facilitate the legal aspect of it, but because of what I've been through and because of what I understand, I can facilitate a healing that many people do need during their their time of, of loss. Let's go ahead and take a break because there is there is a pivot point I can feel it coming. It will be on the other side of this short break. We are talking with Tamara Vaughn, an extraordinary lady by any measure. We always enjoy talking to her personally, and we wanted to share her with our listeners today. Give us a couple of minutes. We'll be back with more. We are Manson Mitchell, and we thank you for tuning in. Hi, everybody. This is Anson Williams from Happy Days, and I'm so excited to tell you about American Road. It is the best car travel magazine in the world. They have the most fantastic adventures detailed in each magazine with all your itinerary. We could just jump in the car with your family and have the most fabulous adventures you've ever had in your life. Please get a copy of American Road and start your own adventure. Staying connected with Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell is easy. Just go to manceandmitchell.com for the latest info on topics and guests. Friend Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell on their Facebook pages and like the Mance and Mitchell show page at facebook.com slash Mitchell. If you're on Twitter, share a follow with Gary and Suzanne at Mance Mitchell. Join Gary and Suzanne Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for an unusual show that covers everything from personal growth to the paranormal. Here's an amazing act. Here's a tremendous act. Here's a startling act. The amazing, the thrilling, the greatest, spectacular, incredible, exciting, wonderful, world-famed, most unusual novelty act. The home of the A-Team of Alternative Talk is ManceAndMitchell.com. Heard right here on Alternative Talk 1150 AM or streaming live from your computer anywhere. Terry Loving wants to help you with your online marketing challenges right now. She has several courses she is giving away to help you get your business working for you online. Yes, giving away. WordPress websites are her specialty, yet her technical skills go way beyond that. Check out her blog at terryloving.com or email her directly at terry at terryloving.com. That's terry at terryloving.com. I'm Gary Mance. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. We're a couple of baby boomers who bring you a talk radio mix of metaphysics and music, politics, and pop culture. And you never know which celebrity will join us for an interesting conversation. Mance and Mitchell is Boomer HQ, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on 1150 AM KKNW. Your home for alternative talk in Seattle and Western Washington. Alternative Talk, 1150 on AM, 98.9 HD3 on HD, 1150kknw.com on the web. Welcome back to Manson Mitchell, and thank you, Brenda Lee, rocking around the Christmas tree, 13 years old, and this year 
it is the number one downloaded song for Christmas. And it's just amazing to me. Absolutely amazing. This whole generation <laughs> wondering where it came from. Right, right. Rocking around the Christmas, 13 years old. She recorded it in July of that year. They created a whole big Christmas set for her for television. And uh, uh, it just amazes me. A voice like that is truly wonderful. Tamara Vaughn, if people would like to find out more about you and your horses and your mediumship and your life and your website and anything, how do they get connected? What are, where are the places they can find you? Oh, they can find me um, on the web at www.tamaravon.com. Um, You can sign up for my newsletter so you can keep up with all of the events and workshops and meditations that I will be doing. I've got a couple of um, interesting classes and meditations up for 2024. One is my version of the burning bowl, which I absolutely love doing at the beginning of the year. Um, but I have a different, um, if anybody's familiar with the burning bowl, I have a different, uh, tweak to it. And so that'll be coming up first of the year. Also, another workshop I'll be doing is going to be called enough. Um, so many people always ask, am I enough? Am I doing enough? So we're going to kind of explore the word enough within our own uh, being and kick off 2024 with um with some positive work well that sounds very good very good tamara vaughn and uh tamara t-a-m-a-r-a vaughn v-a-u-g-h-n did i spell that all right yes you did okay tamaravon.com a good place to start to connect with tamara and the work that she is doing you know, one of the notes that I made while you were talking in the first half, and I, I know there's places you want to go to, Gary, but I was thinking as an attorney who's also a psychic medium, when when you're handling somebody's estate for them, do the dead tell you what they want in case there's some question about it with the relatives? <laughs> Oh, that's an interesting question to answer on air. <laughs> so interestingly enough, I want to say that, yes, on a couple of occasions, I have had um, those from the other side make suggestions um, as far as how to handle a few things. But of course, you know, as an attorney, I have to handle them the way that um, the law dictates I do. And when I'm working as an attorney, interesting enough, I do have um, what I want to call a team working with me on the other side. And we have an agreement when I'm working as an attorney, I don't work as a psychic medium. Occasionally, um, they have come forward when I'm in front of a client, but it, they come forward when there's an urgent need to come forward, not just everybody bombarding me saying, you know, we need to talk. We, we want to come through. When I'm an attorney, I'm an attorney. When I'm a medium, I'm a medium. And that's how, that's, that's, how, I handle, right. that's how I handle the droves on the other side. Okay. <laughs> Good answer. It's it's not a, a, a 10 foot a cement wall. It's a little fence. <laughs> <laughs> it's an energetic fence. Let's put it that way. Okay. <laughs> well, then let me pivot to 
the those who are still in the body when they find out about you tamara and this uh just to borrow this term a bifocal approach to your life professionally a foot each in two worlds as it were two realms have you encountered people maybe a judge maybe another attorney maybe a client who says well wait a second now is there somebody standing over my shoulder there how's it look over there is everybody on the other side okay with it ha 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 where they tend to make light of your mediumship while they are working with you as their attorney no i have a few friends professionals that grumble here and there when um they know that i talk to dead people but actually i have not had that challenge in my practice now you know the one thing that i have done because i'm an attorney and because i'm analytical i have to go dissect what we do as medium so if anybody does challenge me then i have the the whole quantum physics scientific approach of how i actually connect and how the other side actually works with us so at least i'm ready to make that argument when i'm challenged i would think it would come in handy because you know you put it out there you know you're open about it you don't put it on a billboard but you are straightforward with people. And I would think that you would get some blowback now and then just because people are people and some will think they need to give voice to their reservations about your, and I'm using this term again, bifocal approach to your professional life. No, absolutely. Well, you know, and it's even, even being around friends, you know, people think because you're psychic medium that I know everything that's going on in your life. You know, your dead people are telling me all your secrets. And, you know, I'm reading your mind and that's not what, that's not what being a medium is about. So you have to kind of assuage some of the fears of those that are around you because it's not just the professionals, it's your own friends who are tiptoeing around you wondering what you know. Good point. Good mm -hmm. point. Earlier in the conversation, you talked about uh, a, an early time in your life when you gave up organized religion. And then you became an ordained minister. And I'm going, now, wait, 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 wait. You you, you gave up organized religion. You became an, uh, uh, an ordained minister. And one of the things that Gary and I wanted to have you address was this idea of the Christmas spirit that, you know, how do you reconcile the choices that you've made and the distinctions between, you know, spiritual, not religious, and phrases like that that people say. Where where do you land with all of that? Are are you practicing in an organized religion at this point? Um that's a that's a very loaded question. Yes, it is. And I <laughs> planned it on purpose. <laughs> Christmas spirit time. So yes, do people need to go to church? We got a church a block away. They're doing four services Christmas Eve. I'm looking at it. Do I want to go to one of those four services? So, you know, where do you land as being spiritual and religious? So for me, I believe that everybody is on their own path and everybody needs to make that decision for themselves to get through their journey, their life. And there are those who will follow an organized path, whether it's Christianity, Judaism, um, 
And there are those who choose not to. For me, one of the reasons why I stepped away from the organized path of religion, um, I was raised a Lutheran. But what seemed to become important, and please do not take this that I'm being disrespectful of any religion, but for me at that time, what I sensed um, as a young person, as a teenager, that was more important was what color candle we lit, what color robe the pastor was wearing, what phrase we repeated over and over again in church. And that was the importance. And there was not a relationship with this higher power. When I became anorexic and I had what I call, you know, my divine intervention, otherwise known as a divine spiritual kick in the rear end, um, for me, that was my relationship with God. And I wasn't willing to allow anyone else to tell me how to pray to this entity or how to worship this entity that had just shown me all of this love and come through to save my life. And and I always tell people when I do a mediumship reading, I'm the one that gets the gift because for me, the other side, they're when they bring their love through me to extend it to their loved ones, it is nothing that we can compare with in this physical world. And for me, it's, I call it my cheat sheet energy because I get to experience it and I get to share it. But that is the importance for me. And, and as far as do I, am I in organized religion? Um, if you call cleaning stalls in the morning while I'm praying and meditating, organized religion, I'm pretty organized at the barn. But that is my time. That is always my time to spend with, with my higher power, with God. Did I answer your question? You know, attorneys, we like to talk a lot and we don't necessarily answer the question we were given. Yeah, I got you're pretty tricky in that way. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to know, and there's an opportunity for you to uh, tout, as it were, uh, someone who has played in recent years an important role in your spiritual development, in your conceptualization of relating to God and of religion more generally. And that's a gentleman by the name of Jim Palmer. And I do not refer to the Hall of Fame baseball pitcher, Jim Palmer, who writes about religion in a way that gives people encouragement if they are disinclined to join an organized religion, but still want to have a relationship with God. Yeah, absolutely. Um, actually, I was just introduced to some of his work um, not long ago, and I, it, it really truly resonated with me because we talk about, and in and, and going forward into 2024 and talking about renewing um, ourself, because if you follow the, the renewal aspect, you, you're, you're renewed through the transformation of your mind. Um, there, there are many things that for some people can be quite toxic about following an organized religion. Um, for me, it was the, the concept that there was this angry, vengeful, higher power, this, this God, that if I took one misstep, the lightning bolt was going to come down. And it's a pre-programmed notion in our own being, and we work off that. 
so many times throughout our lives. And I believe that Jim Palmer really does speak a lot to this and coming down and supporting the theory that um, we are supported by a loving being that may have been, what's the word, alienated from us through an organized thought process and religion. You know, uh, Tamara, that one of the things, what I feel very strongly about is that there is a, a very good higher purpose for organized religion. And that is to bring people into community. Gary and I met at a church. There are so many good organizations that are doing good work and they are doing the work of a higher power and people are gathering together in such a way and, and working together synergistically that they are doing phenomenally great things. When I, when I think about um, working or not working, it occurs to me that no matter what the job is, whether it's an attorney, a radio broadcaster, a dentist, uh, a minister, a plumber, or a car mechanic, you're always going to have good and bad. You're That's always going to have, you're always going to have, you know, oh, I had the greatest dentist in the world, but I also had a really bad dentist, you know, and I've had good people and bad people. And, and in religion, you can have some really phenomenal religious leaders that say things to you that crack open your heart, open up your mind to looking at things differently and really make a difference. And I hate to just, um, you know, say it's all bad because I don't believe it is. No, I don't I, believe it is either, Suzanne. Not yeah. and and. That is not my intention whatsoever. I didn't think it was. Yeah. No, no, it's not my intention whatsoever. And as I said, there there are so many different religions and there's so many different paths to follow. And as I said before, everyone needs to be on that path for their journey and for their lifetime. I think probably what I was alluding to is sometimes there are um some may take the to- some of the some of the more negative thoughts and those may be toxic programs that people play off of throughout the entire time. My biggest thing right now is in this day and time, we need the spiritual leaders, we need the religious leaders to step up because mm-hmm. there are too many people out there who are still searching and looking, and souls need growth and souls need to be fed. And I think, unfortunately, so many times those voices that are doing good um, get um, downplayed. They get lumped in with the bad ones. Exactly. Yeah, right. Exactly. And and I think that that's, that's truly, truly a shame. And, and the other place that you can see it uh, in stark, stark review is in politics. There are some absolutely wonderful politicians but then you get some bad ones and it's like, then the whole pot gets tainted and everybody goes, oh, it's just politics. And, and, and we say, you know, we hate politics. You can hate politics. You can hate religion. You can hate car salesmen. 
I mean, you can you can hate uh, an entire group of people based on a bad experience. But exactly. I think you're right when you say this is a time where we are really longing for our soul's growth for whatever time that we are going to spend on this planet. And I and I think getting together with other people in a community really allows you a space to love and be loved. And and oftentimes on our show, I've I've kind of put down organized religion myself for some of the same reasons you were talking about, you know, wearing the right clothes, doing the right thing, lighting the right candle. I mean, silly stuff. That's not really what it's about. And and in this time of the spirit of Christmas that that we wanted to discuss with you, there is so much joy to be had, don't you think? I do. And, you know, let's go back to what we talked about, about the people who gather together in communion after a devastating event in the shell of a church. That, yes. to, me is the, that to me is the true practice of religion. That right. is and, true. Yeah, they don't, right. They don't right. care about the concrete floor. They care about the other people who are standing there. Exactly. All the, all the people that lost their church, lost their homes, lost their families. And, and and we're too quick to label people. We're too quick to label them based on their political, their religious, their cultural, and not see the soul within that person. Yeah. And I think to me, this is a, you know, we're talking about the Christmas spirit, but this whole season is a magical season of miracles. Just whatever religious holiday you celebrate. And it's a shame that we have to take one month and cram it into one month and we can't carry it forward to the other 11 months of the year. <laughs> yeah. Because truly yeah. In, in every basis of what we're taught in religion, this is a time of love and giving and shouldn't love and giving be what we do 365 days and not just in one month of the year. Yes, of course. How do we how do we be part of that change? You know, there is there is something I can do, something you can do that is is part of uh, shifting. I mean, your your book is called The Power Shift Principle. How do you shift now your your thinking or way of being? What is a first step that you can take or recommend to people to begin to live, think, act differently? Well, you know, I, I have to say that I, I watch people feeling very helpless in our environment with a lot of the, the world events, the political events, the economic events that are taking place. And people are like, well, I can't, I can't do it. I can't do this. I can't, I can't do anything to change this. And yet we're not responsible for the entire world. You know, we're, we're responsible for our piece of the puzzle of this entire painting, if you think about it. And if we look at it from that point, think of a pebble being thrown into uh, a body of water and look at the, the, the gentle waves emanate away from that single small pebble. Look for the good. Look for the small things. Look for the simplicity in God. Look for the simplicity in what is good and share that. As simple as smiling to, 
across a, a crowded room at somebody that looks despondent. Sharing something simple like that can change a person's life. It will definitely change you. And that energy starts creating the small waves that can make a difference throughout what we are experiencing today. I think that's especially true and poignant and effective, poignant and potent when we go out of our way to make a stranger feel like a friend and no longer simply a sojourner or a newcomer. That's an important value to carry because we've all seen people and many times we've been that person who feels strange, who feels odd and out of place until somebody bids us welcome. Yes. Yes, and I had a, 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 an example several weeks ago that as I walked into the bank, I met a gaze with a woman across waiting for the teller. And as I walked up to her, I smiled and I said, you look absolutely phenomenal. I love this outfit. She was wearing a very unique outfit. And we talked for a moment. As I stepped aside, I went to the teller and she had green Christmas sparkles in her hair. And I said, wow, I love your hair. The woman who I spoke to initially called me over. She said, I need to speak with you. And I stepped back and I said, you know, what can I do for you? And she said, simply, we need people like you in the world. And I said, what are you talking about? She said, from the moment you entered in, she said, your eyes met my eyes. You met, made eye contact. And she said, then you, you made me feel good by telling me how great I looked. She said, I lost my husband, my son, and my grandchild to COVID in three days of each other. Mm. And she said, I have been trying to find God and spirit again. And from that, that led on to another conversation. But it started with a simple gaze, a simple smile, and a very simple conversation. And that, my friends, is God in action through a human. Amen. Tam <laughs> Amen. Tamara Vaughn, thank you so much. It's a delight to have you with us. We must do this again soon. Thank you so much. Have a beautiful holiday season and Merry Happy well. Holidays to you. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for tuning in. Join us next Friday. We'll do it all over again. In the meantime, it's the holidays, everybody. Celebrate. Here's what's coming up next week on Manson Mitchell. I'm Gary Mance. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. We're a couple of baby boomers who bring you a talk radio mix of metaphysics and music, politics, and pop culture. And you never know which celebrity will join us for an interesting conversation. Mance and Mitchell is Boomer HQ, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on 1150 AM KKNW. Your home for alternative talk in Seattle and Western Washington.